Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Self Love Club, a place where boss babes share their stories to empower women. Welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. I'm Val Crawford and you can find out more about why I've launched this club at valcrawford.com. I'd love for you to join it and trust me, it's not like a cult or pyramid scheme. It's literally just a club where you can come hang out. It's going to be a fun time. Join me for a podcast series where we'll hear the stories of girl boss women who are doing super cool things with their lives. We'll find out how they've done what they have, their self-love and self-care practices, and they'll share their tips to empower you to live your best life. Mimi Gilmore Buckley is a mega successful entrepreneur, the boss lady, joint CEO and co-founder behind Ethically Conscious Burger Burger. Mimi has recently become a mum to her second beautiful daughter. Her eldest daughter has had a number of health complications, which has seen Mimi become a passionate child health advocate working with the likes of Starship. We're so lucky to have Mimi share her story and girl boss advice on the Self Love Club podcast. Mimi, welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. Thank you so much for coming to hang out today. My pleasure. <laughs> now tell everyone about yourself and what you do. Um, my name is Mimi Gilmore Buckley these days um, and I am currently what they call the boss lady at Burger Burger which is a restaurant we started five years ago and so yeah I do that and I'm a mum and yeah in the spare time <laughs> with my friends and try and look after myself. Yeah definitely mm. so tell us about Burger Burger and how that all came about like how did that mm. all start? I lived in, in Sydney for a few years um, after uni and actually started a burger joint over there. And um, then I came back to New Zealand, which I thought would be temporarily, to do the Rugby World Cup. I did the New Zealand food show for that and um, ended up meeting my old business partners who I then opened Mexico, the restaurants with. And um, that was a lot of fun and I learned a lot of lessons. And when I had been there for almost three years, I decided that it was time for me to go and do something on my own again. And so based off my experience with Burger Burger and also my experience with um, opening a burger joint in Sydney, I was, thought I'd give it a go. Yeah. Still felt like there was nowhere that you could get. I could sit down in a restaurant environment and have a really good burger and a beer for yeah. 20 bucks. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a fave of a lot of ours. Like, you know, it's one of those go-tos. Awesome. Um, but the thing is, like, so what did you study and how did you get into food? Uh, um, I probably – my our passion, my passion for my sister and I probably both came through our mother. And I guess my, one of my uncles was a winemaker. The other was a chef. My, and my mother was in hospitality, you know, my whole life. So it was de- definitely very much at the centre of how we – lived our family life. We were taught to cook from a really young age and encouraged to understand what great hospitality meant. And I guess on top of that, my father actually is a, 
ended up being sort of a, a medical entrepreneur. So I guess the business entrepreneurship came from that side. Not that my mother also started many hospitality businesses. She was sort of like had a lot of entrepreneurship in herself. And um, I then did fine arts degree, actually. Yeah. <laughs> my mother called a bachelor of fuck all at the time. <laughs> um, and then I, I thought I thought my life would be in advertising, but I just really didn't enjoy it. And yeah. went back into events and then fell back into hospitality. Yeah. But I guess what I do now is um, very much uses my creative skills. You know, it's not just hospitality. I kind of do all the branding and I get to do interior stuff and I'm also really obsessed with human behaviour, so I spend a lot of time understanding how we can look after our humans. Yeah, and, and definitely be humans. It's a big thing with staff as well, like managing staff mm. and like what works best and everything like that. I'm sure you would have learned so much about that. It's, it's the biggest challenge in any <laughs> business, I would have to say. Yeah. People, yeah. And so what, did you know growing up what you wanted to do or did you sort of just work it out as you went along? No, and I it's funny because I go and talk to lots of young students now and, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure on us when we're young to sort of like decide what we want to be when we grow up. And I don't think I ever really knew. I knew that I loved being creative and I was definitely very entrepreneurial from a young age. I sort of did um, enterprise studies, you know, at school and I was, you know, probably a very bossy and fierce leader of our enterprise team and started like lots of little initiatives on the side. So, yeah, I don't know. I didn't think I knew specifically what I wanted to do, but I was always very sure of how I was going to do things. Mm. And I don't really know where that came from. I think it was just like innately in me. I don't really know. Yeah, and I think that's a thing like with a lot of entrepreneurs – I've listened to other podcasts with them as well and they sort of, the common thread is that they just did something and like it was just in them and they just created something and that's a really cool thing. So like what, when you started the food stuff over in, in Sydney and everything, was yeah. it just like, I've just got to create this, I've got to do this? I don't know, I've just never had that fear built into me. And I guess what I do say is that I have always thrown myself into as many opportunities as I possibly could along the way. So I'd met been exposed to a lot and I'd met a lot of really clever, interesting people that had um, given me a lot of insight into what was possible and also provided a lot of support when um, I had questions or they encouraged me to take risks and um, as you get older, you you know, those risks become more and more calculated. Yeah. But, yeah, I just never, I just, there was nothing in me that didn't think that I couldn't achieve something if I worked hard enough and set my mind to it. Yeah. I mean, it's a sacrifice. I like a lot, a lot of the kids that I talk to now are like, you're so lucky, you're so successful. And I'm like, <laughs> you make luck, you know? Like, I mean, there is no, there is, there is no denying that in order to, you know, be successful in anything, it has to be partnered with extremely hard work, you know? Yeah. And you make sacrifices along the way to be that person. Um, but I loved it. I just never thought, I just didn't know how to be any other way. Yeah. What are some of the sacrifices and things you had to do along the way to, in order to do what you have done? Oh, you know, less travel, time. I worked really hard. I worked full time all through uni. I worked more than full-time, you know, in the first few years. When I when we opened Mexico, I think I was working, like, you know, anywhere between 80 and 90 
our weeks, um, which means that not only is that taxing on you physically and personally, but it affects relationships, mm. you know, with friends, with partners, with family, um, and ultimately, like, um, you know, I think along the way that's fallen on my health. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I still travelled. I just didn't do the OE. I, you know, I, it's just a choice that I made. Mm. But I didn't not enjoy it. I still had a lot of fun along the way and I didn't feel at the time that I was sacrificing it. But then, you know, I did. It did affect relationships and I learned from that. Mm. Yeah, and I think when you're starting something or you kind of have to put in that extra time because, I mean, it's you're the one doing it. No one else is going to do it if you don't, you know what I mean? So you mm. kind of have to do that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, you absolutely do. Even now, you know, like owning your own business, there's no such thing as boundaries. I mean, you try and you can definitely, you know, I mean, I guess a big thing for me is making sure that I, I, I am present and have time with my family and my, and my daughter separate from work, you know, but I used to, you know, but there's still... Sometimes if there's just things that need to get done, they just need to get done and you can't just walk away from it and come back at 9 o'clock the next day. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. You said that you did learn a few lessons along the way with like the Mexico journey. So what are some of those things or what are some lessons you've learned in general in being in business? So many lessons. I guess the thing is I think New Zealanders and and probably more women than men, to be honest, um, we think that we need to know everything and be everything and – um, that's just not a thing. Like, you just can't be. We all have strengths. And um, I think rather than trying to f- spread yourself too thin, I think it's really brave early on to recognise where your strengths lie and ask for help in the areas that you don't. Um, often when people start businesses, that means um, they avoid things like paying for, you know, financial or legal advice because it, the cost seems daunting, but the cost and the time and the effort, you know, far outweighs the consequences down the track. So I always try and encourage people to understand that. I think a lot of my mistakes have been financial. It's not my strong point. I mean, I definitely, I've been in business for 15 years now, so I, you know, I understand them, but I don't, I'll definitely never be the person who's making the the key decisions around that ever again. Um, Personally, I think there was like one of the biggest lessons I, or realities I came to was that, I don't know why I thought that I would ever stop learning. And so I kind of thought, I, I don't know, you, I guess you go through uni and you do this and you're like, okay, cool, I'm an adult now and I'll go and be an adult. But you, I got to this point where I was like, why? You know, I guess listening to podcasts, reading and like understanding that if I'm not learning and if I'm not pushing myself, then I'm not going to keep evolving as a human and then I'm going to run out of things to contribute to the people around me. Mm. And you'd probably get really bored as well if it was just like you knew everything and then you just kept doing that and over and over again. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just, yeah. It was just a weird, it's kind of like a childish realisation that actually, no, you actively have to keep learning. Mm. I mean, you learn through experience um, and I definitely did. But to then go and seek, um, you know, more information and, specifically on certain things was, I don't know, it was just, it was kind of, I mean, it kind of sounds stupid when you say it, but at the time I was like, oh, wow. So, um, yeah, that was something. And then I guess the other thing is just trying to understand your own personal boundaries, you know? I mean, Mm. we're all human and sometimes um, I'm pretty resilient now. I mean, I've had a lot of interesting things happen to me along the way, 
personally and in business. I mean, I had a restaurant burn to the ground um, and that was a really uh, interesting Whoa. lesson in what happened there? insurance. Um, it was just an electrical fault, basically. We'd renovated our kitchen and what, an electrical fault in one of the – um, it was in Sydney and we renovated the restaurant and it was in the middle of the night. There was just basically electrical fault in the back of one of the fridges and the whole place burnt to the ground, oh. um, which was, you know, very sobering personally. But then obviously there's all the people that work for you that are affected and then you've got to go through an insurance rigmarole and, yeah, it was – um, also I've kind of like financially put my head in the sand at one stage when we weren't doing very well and thought that someone else had it under control and kind of knew that there was something wrong and avoided it and you just can't do that. You need to face the facts. Mm. Um, financial problems don't go away. They just get worse. And, um, yeah, and then I think, as I said, there's just the people just being conscious of, you're, you know, what you do and how that affects the people that work for you as well as the people personally that support you and to enable you to work at that level. Yeah. Yeah. How have you handled that heavy workload and, and stress on you? It's like, I know what you say does affect others as well. Like, how do you handle that? Like, I was talking to um, <sighs> Jules Matthews has been on and she told me, she was like, Mimi is the busiest person I know. <sighs> so, like, how do you handle being the busiest person? I am a lot less busy than I used to. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I've said to myself, uh, you know, I don't want to ever say that I'm busy anymore because everyone's busy and mm. we live a busy life. And I guess what I try and do now is just prioritise and I say no to a lot more than I used to, which is still hard because I, my na- naturally I want to be part of a lot of things, but I guess I prioritise my family. Um, I definitely prioritise my close friends and myself work you know I mean our business is the future for my family and I you know employ a lot of people and I want that I want to be proud of that um and then yeah I choose what's important to me I mean my daughter has a lot of um health issues so definitely there's some things around that that I've choose to spend time um putting some time into and yeah, I guess like things like talking to you today, I, I'm definitely very uh, passionate about helping young girls and women be realistic about what it takes to succeed. Like I love our role in business, and I, but also just it's we're I, we're our own worst enemy, eh? And I think B, especially now being a mother, like it's way harder than I thought it was going to be to split those two, mm, and I it's just imagine. is what it is, like. Mm. I guess in terms of stress, I don't get stressed. I guess because of certain things that have happened to me, like especially my, my, my daughter had a massive brain injury and womb and it was totally out of my control and it was the first thing that really put me on my ass in my life. Like it was just a massive slap in the face. And I mean, for me now, I'm just like, mm, you know, like nothing yeah. is nothing is relative to what sh- happened then. There's always a way, mm. you know. And a lot of the time, I think, 
I think I had to train myself a few years ago not to let financial stress, for instance. I'm like, it's just numbers and it's mm. part of business. And, and it's not worth you getting stressed, like super stressed out over. Like it's just not, you know, like you. Which gotta- doesn't help any, anyone, let alone yourself. So mm. I guess what I try and do is compartmentalize. Yeah. Which is something I think that like, to be fair, men do really well. Yeah, I wish we were <laughs> And like, women don't. We, we just like, to put learn. everything into a giant pot and get emotional <laughs> about it. Um, You know, and like, look, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm an emotional creature, 100 percent but I try and compartmentalize mm. and then I just I literally go through these like terrible um cycles of like organizing myself in different ways and so I've re- I've got this like spreadsheet now and I kind of put everything into like categories <laughs> and it's like urgent and then urgent urgent and then personal urgent not nah, just kidding um but it's <laughs> but you do kind of just like it's almost I think when you go through a stressful period or something happens, if you leave it sitting in your head and you mix it up with everything else, it's really hard to find a path to work your way out of that. Mm. So often it's just about breaking it down, compartmentalising it. And, um, you know, I've always been a believer in, you know, there are things that you can control and things that you can't. So with Olympia it was like I just think for months I was just so overwhelmed by the information that was coming at me and it was just so dark and then I think I just woke up one day and I was like, right, this is not going to, you know, define who I am. It's not going to define, you know, the success of my marriage and if I'm going to be a good mother for her, I'm going to stop worrying about the things that I can't control and start putting my energy into the things that I can control. Mm. And um, that really enabled me to like, pick one thing that I could work towards and then, you know, like you just step your way out of it. You just can't let yourself get overwhelmed. I mean, we're just all human beings mm. and even, you know, when you're a kid and you grow up and you look at, you think adults have got their shit sorted and they know everything and they none of us know what we're doing. Mm, exactly. You know, I'm yeah. 35 this year and, I mean, I employ girls that are, 16 years old and I talk to them and I'm like wow I just honestly feel like I'm them but I'm more than double their age (laughs) you know and it's just um yeah I feel like the older you get the less I feel like I know but I just yeah it's more you accept that you can only be who you can be today, you know? Yeah, totally. And that's the thing. I think when you're younger, you have this idea of like, oh, when I'm this age, this is what it's going to look like and this is what it's going to be like. And then you get there and you laugh and you're like, oh, my God, no. Like, oh, I'm, My mother said to me my whole life, yeah, you know, I only really knew who I was when I was 30. And I was always like, oh, you know, like whatever. I'm like 22 and I know everything. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like so right, you know, like I feel like 27 was a really big change you know, like year of change for me in 29 was kind of the first time I went, you know what, I actually really know who I want to be now. And by the time I got to 30, I was kind of like, okay, cool, I've got this. Yeah. You know, I mean, I still have moments where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, I, yeah, totally. But it definitely took me to get to like 30, mm. probably, you know, and I just yeah. look at these girls that work for me where I talk to younger women and I'm just like, God, just chill out, you know. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Enjoy we do, your life. We do, need, we do need to chill out a bit. We can get a bit too intense, I think, mm. sometimes about a lot of things. And you worry that things aren't going to work out and it's like, it's going to be okay, like, mm. and you learn that as you get older. So for you and with your daughter, how far into your pregnancy did you find out there were some um, oh, brain not, problems? Not until she was 
she was actually born. So she was almost she was almost thirty eight weeks, and she just stopped moving as much one night. I was actually working the night before she was born. We did our blind dates event, and she used to just every time I'd lie down at night time, she'd go crazy, and she just moved a little bit less. And so I went in in the morning, and I was like, hmm, moved a little bit less. I think at that point also, I'd like asked so many questions, and they had kind of said, "Oh no, that's normal, that's normal." So then the night before, when she moved less, I sort of talked myself into thinking, stop being a hypochondriac, just chill out, it'll be mm. fine. Um, which I would have to say now, like I took myself to the hospital for last night, for instance, because I was a bit stressed and she wasn't moving as much because I'm pregnant again now. And, you know, at one point I was like, don't be, don't, you know, be silly. But then I was like, fuck. No, you're allowed to, fuck, to ask Yeah, just questions. go to the fucking hospital. Like, it's yeah. fine. Um, anyway, I went in, they monitored me. She was distressed, but nothing like that was massive alarm bells for them. But then they kind of did more and more testing, and there was a point they were like, she's got to come out right now. And so she I had an emergency cesarean, and then she came out, and they thought she was fine. Um, and then about three hours after she was born, she started showing signs of seizure activity. Um, and they did an MRI the next day, and basically the neurologist and my obstetrician came in, and they both had tears in their eyes. And they just said it was one of the worst brain injuries they'd seen in a long time. And so her diagnosis was global, catastrophic, global, HAE, which is, HAE is just a um, term given to a brain injury caused by lack of oxygen. And most of the time it happens during the birthing process. Babies that get stuck or, um, mm. and I had a, yeah, so they don't entirely know. Um, I had a hypercord, um umbilical cord, which is like 3%, like 2% of women have it, but that wouldn't be enough to cause it basically at some stage in the days, weeks before she was born, her blood flow got compromised and over time starved her brain of oxygen and damaged it. Mm. Um, and so she is has um, quadriplegic spastic cerebral palsy. So physically she's very much almost like a newborn um, and that she's only just really learning to roll over now, so she just turned two. Mm. Um, but she's incredible. I mean, at the beginning they were like, her brain is fucked, basically. <laughs> she's going to be a vegetable. She may die. All these things happen, and I was just like, I cannot deal with this. Like it was just yeah. literally like so beyond comprehension. Um, and now she's just blowing everyone away. She's such a little fighter. She is 100% her own person. Like she had a tantrum on Saturday, and I think most parents would probably be like, "What are you doing?" And you I was like, just like "Yeah, I was like, this is fucking awesome." Yeah, <laughs> yeah girl, oh, that's so good. Um, and she loves the Wiggles. You know, she loves reading. We just um, bought two therapists over from the Czech Republic, actually, that are working with her for like four or five hours a day. She's so determined. Like she wants her freedom. She wants to move. So she, you know, and she's just she's just got such an amazing character that everyone who therapist that works with her loves her. People just fall in love with her. It's ridiculous. Like, I mean, I think she's cute because she's my baby, but genuinely she's just got this magic power. So um, has she managed to, um, like, are the doctors, like, really impressed with how she's doing? Like, is yeah. she sort of doing more than what they thought she would? Yes. Uh, substantial. Yeah, substantially. And I think also, I mean, look, we're really lucky. I mean, we threw our life savings at it. And, like, when I say, you know, that that was at her, but also, like, we one of the things that we did sort of four months in was get a night nanny. And that saved my sanity because I hadn't slept basically for four months properly. Um, 
we have a huge amount of family and friend support and financially we've been able to sort of, I guess, give her more opportunities. She was also our first child, you know, mm. and so she's, we had the brain capacity and the time to throw everything at her and, you know, I guess now I'm two years into this, there's so many more families that are in a position than than you think and, I mean, if it was your third child or your fourth child, it's just it's just completely consuming. I mean, she needs 24-hour care. She's 100% tube-fed. She, um, someone sleeps next to her every night. You know, like it's just completely all-consuming and mm. we love her and there's, I wouldn't change it for the world, but I can't imagine how families that aren't in the position like us cope with it. And I think that's something that we really probably need to address in New Zealand. Like, mm. I've sat in rooms like fighting for some financial support from the government, which is really weird because I just felt like I was begging them and I'm like, I wouldn't be asking you if I didn't need it. And, you know, I guess it's just, it's just an extremely vulnerable position to be in that is so out of your control. Um, And so, yeah, I guess her doctor says she's lucky because we've had the energy and the time to continue with our life. Mm. and put her in the middle of that rather than a lot of families just get overwhelmed or are completely, you know, in, incapable through, you know, whatever means and have to put these children, like, lying down in the corner and just survive, mm. you know? What did that mean for your business and everything, like, and I guess your marriage? Like, was it – it must have been a huge strain on everything, continuing to do everything. Yeah, I mean, I disappeared off the face of the planet for a lot longer than they thought I would be. My husband definitely dealt with it by working. Um, but I think the hardest thing was that he also, like, I'm always fine. I'm pretty resilient. And he just, I basically just sat on the couch and cried for about three months. Mm. And he just didn't know what to do, you know. Like, he'd just look at me and be like, do you need to just tell me what you need me to do? Because I don't, and like, neither of us knew. But we had a huge amount of family support and it was just, um, as I said, like a big turning, you know, we turned the corner when we got our night in the and we could just even just sleep in the same bed together. Yeah. And I stopped crying because I had a bit more sleep. And, yeah, it was it was really hard. We also come from very different backgrounds. Stephen's family um, are religious and mine not so much. And so it was interesting to see how those two different, you know, um, families dealt with it it was I mean the thing is it happens to it happened to us because we were her parents but it actually happened to our families and our friends and even at work you know Mm. like we spend so much time with each other with our team they become your family as well so um I think it was very sobering for a lot of people I don't think anyone really understands a situation like that until you know someone or love someone that's in that position because Mm. it's just you know, it's not like an event that you just get over in like a year and then you move on. Like she will be very challenged for her, the entire duration of her life, you know. Mm. Yeah. So it's just a very real thing to happen. Yeah, definitely. Has it, obviously it would have opened your eyes a lot and has it made you want to help in uh, in those areas? I think you might have done a bit of stuff in helping. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Last year um, spoke at the um, Starship uh, foundation do a fundraiser every year and last year specifically it was um, for the neurology ward they were fundraising for a specialist nurse which is pretty cool um that the you know public health sector are considering a specialist nurse around ketogenic diet 
which is, you know, there's a huge amount of research into how that affects your brain's ability to develop. Um, and then also recently the Ra Katari, I'm terrible, my today sucks, but it's all good. Um, it's a music therapy centre that Olympia has gone to for the last year and music has just been incredible for her and um, I'm going to try and attempt to help them with their fundraiser this year. It's a privately funded facility. There's three of them and it's just so transformative for children with, with special needs, like gives them, I, I think for me the, the biggest thing with that was that it didn't only, the music, you know, helped with her communication, but it actually helped with her physically because she's so keen to get involved that she, for the, it was sort of the first thing that really encouraged her enough to want to control her hands and her arms, which she has never done. So she loves the guitar and loves the piano and it's just, it's actually incredible, the change. Mm. Um, yeah, and we'll see. Yeah, she's got a few things I'd like to talk to Cinder about. I think she's a bit busy at the moment. Yeah, just a bit, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, I don't know, I just think, you know, that's a big thing to deal with and to look after. I mean, of course you look after your baby, but yeah. it's a lot. And then to be running a big biz- a business and then everything, like how do you how do you handle all that? I don't know. I just keep going. <laughs> I guess you probably felt like you didn't really have much choice. You, just you that don't. Was- and... As I said before, like, I think splitting myself, like the Mimi who was ambitious in business and wanted to succeed professionally and Mimi who always wanted to be a mother and and has wanted to have a family forever, I still find that really conflicting. It's hard. Like, I want to do both. Mm. But there's only so much time, you know, and I want to spend time with my friends and I need to look after, you know, myself. Um. I mean, at the moment, we're just at a very crucial time at, at Burger Burger and probably would, for the first time in my life, see in the next two or three years me pulling back a bit to sort of try and work three or four days a week rather than five long days. Um, so I can spend some more time with my children. Mm. I definitely don't think I have it me f- to be a full-time mother. Yeah. Which well, is also kind of weird. I thought that I would be way more into it. Like, I mean... Yeah, but you've still got to, like, run your business and everything. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine you wanting to take a – you know, like, imagine if you had a business and you had to take a back seat, like. It's kind of easier to go to work, to be honest, sometimes. That's what I've heard from some mums. They're, like, honestly, like, yeah, it's kind of like. Well, you just – there's so many unknowns with children. Like, you just – I mean, like, not that I have any idea what I'm doing often at work either, but, like, I think I've got better at that and mm. I feel like there's more certainty around it. Whereas yeah. – with at home, you just like, especially with Olympia, like I don't know, it's it's a really interesting journey to go through, and I don't know, you just question yourself. I mean, you question yourself a lot on and off, but then also I'm just like, make sure that I am present and do the best that I can do at being Mimi in both of those situations. Mm, yeah. Well, how well, how have you learned to balance it, or what are some like tips do you think? Working mums can, but how they can balance it. I think Catherine Wilson really, like, before I had Olympia, sort of just said to me, I just make sure that I'm, when I'm at home, I'm at home and I'm 100% present there. And when I'm at work, I'm at work. Yeah. You know, and I don't waste the time when I'm at the other place feeling guilty about not being in the other one, which Mm. I think was, is really true. You know, like, it's a waste of time. Um, Try and put in some boundaries around time. You know, like this year, I've, 
take her to like one of her music classes and stuff in the morning on Thursday, which is really lovely. And um, and make sure that I see her, you know, first thing in the morning, and that I get to spend an hour with her at the end of the day, regardless of what happens. Mm. Most of the time, um, I don't know. I think you just have to be realistic, you know. Like you find yourself having these weird conversations where you're like. But if she sees this person more than me, will she love them more than me? Which is just so ridiculous, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. You're like, shut up, Mimi. No, and um, like, yeah, having those boundaries, I guess, when yeah. people want a lot from you, like having boundaries of like how much you will do in that day, you know? Like, yeah. I just, like, I just can't go out as much as I used to, for instance, you know? Um, I can't contribute to as many things as I would like to. It's just my time in my life. And I've seen. A lot of my friends, you know, I think we've got young children, especially, and you're running a business. Mm. You, It's just time that you have to say no. You just have to pull out of things that you used to be able to do. Mm. Um, I know that my limits with sleep, I know my limits with alcohol, I know my limits with exercise yeah. now, and I just have to make sure that I check in with those. Yeah, and those are like self-care practices really. So what are some of the limits and like what do you, what do you sort of do so that you can keep everything going? Um, well, I guess I try and sleep at least seven hours a night. So I always try and do that. I mean, I'm also like, I'm a very social person, but I'm actually reasonably introverted as well. Mm. So like I was saying earlier, like I need quiet alone time. Like my mm. brain is so busy all of the time that if I don't shut it down or have literally silence around me sometimes, I just, that's just, it's like weird things like that just and also spending time at home like I'm a bit of a home person um alcohol is not really so much a problem anymore because I don't really have time but when I was young and going out a lot you know there were there was a point where it caught up with me and it just would make me more emotional than I needed to be you know like Mm. I think it's a really common thing yeah we don't have a great drinking culture in New Zealand to be fair and um I'm a power drinker once I start. There's no going back. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, and exercise has always been a big thing for me. Try and exercise at least five times a week. Mm. What are you, what are your go-tos? What do you like doing? Uh, I had an amazing trainer for a few years, which was cross training. Um, I've done spin on and off. Um, all else fails. I go for walks with Olympia, you know? Walks are really good. Yeah. yeah I love it. Year. Like, we have a lot of beautiful parks around where we live and also go walk down near the harbour, which is mm. pretty special in New Zealand that we can just kind of walk and be by the ocean a lot, which I love. Mm. Just a bit of fresh air, you know? Yeah, and so those are things you regularly do just to check in and make sure you can, you know, you need to do those things, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And, with and the- also just caffeine, you know, like don't <laughs> drink too much coffee. Yeah, yeah. Try and... Eat well, you know. Like I'm not like a, I'm. Don't, I don't do anything extreme. I just try and eat a balanced diet. Like yeah, a, that's the way to go. Yeah. Then you don't like. Yeah. Then you can just eat. You know, if you want to have something, you just eat it, and it's all good. Like yeah. if you're mostly eating really well, then it doesn't matter. We have a um, deli up the road from us called Ripe, and I call them my wife because <laughs> now that I'm pregnant, busy, and I have Olympia at the moment, I don't know how we would survive without them. But their food is just. So fresh and delicious every day, and I just yeah, and so I'll always eat. Like they'll have like raw salads, but then I'll definitely back it up with you know some form of brownie slice at the moment. So yeah, it's all good. Yeah, 
you got to have that. Totally. With drinking and stuff, obviously, like being a mum and being pregnant now, that wouldn't be something. But like when you were younger, I think that's something that a lot of us can relate with, you know, being, I remember crying when I was drunk or just, you know, getting, um, I've, yeah, just like getting into habits of like drinking to relax, you know, mm. or I definitely got into habits where I was like drinking to sleep better, which is just, not a thing, yeah. you know. It's like no, 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 no. That it actually not, makes you like I can't sleep well when worse. I drink at all. Oh uh, no, th- I think there's a point where you turn. You know, when you're younger, I think it does, and then when you there's like I don't know, I think at like 28, I was like, wow, it's getting worse. <laughs> but also, just like if you like, I guess I grew up. I've never been like a necessarily a binge spirit drinker or anything. Like yeah, that, but my, you know, I actually genuinely love wine and um. I think for me it was just about like if you're going to have a glass of wine and it's a little bit like food. I just made a rule that if you don't, if it's not delicious, then just don't put it in your mouth. Mm. And Sick of rule. You know, rather than just doing it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. And so it just slowed me down a bit, you know, with eating as well. Like I've put on, been up and down like a freaking yoga. I put on like 25 kilos of the Olympia, which was just so unnecessary. I think a lot of women do in your first pregnancy because you kind of see it's your right to just eat whatever the fuck you want. But then I turn into like, I literally, I think my heaviest was like maybe 102 kilos, which is just next level to then have to lose. She was only 2.2 kilos, 2.4. So I had to lose like 22 kilos. Yeah. And it was boring as hell. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, this is no fun. Yeah, like no fun. I basically had to stop drinking alcohol for six months. (laughs) The look on your face. Which is like what you do when you're pregnant, but it's a bit different when you're not pregnant. And then you have to do it because you're just just such a pig. So now I'm just like, (laughs) I eat what I want, but I just made a rule that if it's not delicious and it's not good, you know, like it's not going to like nutritionally or yeah or make my soul a happier place and just don't shove food in your face or don't drink things just for the sake of drinking it it's far easier to it's far harder to lose it isn't it oh yeah so much harder than it is to gain the struggle it. Is so real I'm never doing that again mm. and so this pregnancy I'm just like kind of pacing myself I mean yeah. I'm not even trying any like this time it's probably feels like you've done it once before so this time you're probably like oh yeah like I know how to do this yeah I'm like the first pregnancy I literally had a drawer of Kit Kats next to me at work and I ate like a Kit Kat or two a day yeah because now you're like uh-uh. uh I don't but I don't even think about it I don't even want it this time but I just yeah and so I think with alcohol, it was just like, do I actually need to drink like Monday to Thursday, really? And if mm. you want to drink on the weekend, like, make sure it's delicious. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. I think it's, yeah, just forming good habits because as New Zealanders, we don't really have good habits. Just with checking drinking. in with yourself, you know? Yeah. Like, am I behaving, am I behaving like an idiot right now? Yeah. Like, could there be a better way for me to be managing this for myself? Yeah. Yes. So yeah. how, how were you sort of managing things a little bit with like with alcohol or whatever? Like mm. I think a lot of us did, but how how were you doing that? I just tried to set like some rules, you know, like must exercise five days a week, must sleep minimum seven hours Monday to Friday, must only drink three nights a week. Yeah, and how's that gone? Is it much better for you? Yeah, it was good. I mean, like also when I lost all that weight last year, I just accepted that I needed to change a habit. You know, it's just a habit, really. Yeah. It's your body. Yeah. And so I just, I'm better at, like, if I set myself, it's like I'm never a big goal person necessarily, 
But I was just like small chunks. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do four weeks and see. And as soon as I start seeing results or feeling better, then it encourages me to take yeah, the next step. Definitely. Um, but yeah. With Burger Burger, I mean, that's been, you guys have, uh, you know, got multiple places you're in now. You're look, you're going to be moving into other cities and everything. Yeah, well, we're, we're, we've gone relatively slowly, I think, compared to what I did in Mexico. We've got three restaurants currently. So Newmarket, Ponsonby and Tekapuna, and then we open in the Mount um, and Christchurch in May, which is pretty exciting. Both our first, um, you know, out of Auckland. Then we've got Commercial Bay, which is downtown Auckland, which will be September, they say, <laughs> this year. Um, and then we've just also signed Wanaka for the beginning of next year. Amazing. No, like, well, that's, you say, like, it's moved slowly, but that's, like, you've still got quite a few different places, to, which is a lot to manage. I guess maybe now, like, this is what you can do. But I've got a pretty big team around me, to be yeah. fair. My husband works harder than I do because he can. Um, <laughs> and he runs the kind of financial and operational side. Um, I love working with him. We're a really good balance of each other. Um, we also have, yeah, pretty solid team at work um, and we all do our bit, you know, like it's yeah. not really about me anymore and I really kind of over the next two years don't want it, I want it to be less and less about, you know, like me and the founders as it were and it become more of a, I mean, our goal is to be New Zealand's most loved hospitality brand. So we started it with the aim of having a place that could have a really wonderful dining experience for, you know, an affordable price that most New Zealanders would have access to. Mm. So, yeah. What's your sort of, like you say that, you know, he manages finance, some of the financial sides of things. What is your focus within the business? Um, I, at the moment, do marketing and branding stuff. I do all the builds and the fit outs and work with the kitchen team and the menu. And then I kind of oversee a little bit of everything, people. Um. And then Stephen and I kind of together oversee the whole business. So yeah. we'll do all the strategy, a lot of the relationships, external relationships I manage in terms of, like if you want to open sites, we're, we're often working a year ahead of schedule. So I'm always these like business as usual, which is what's in front of us. And then trying to yeah work a yeah. year or year and a half out. Is it kind of hard juggling that, like the, the future stuff and then the current stuff? Like how do you sort of manage that? Um, I don't know. I'm just like, um, <laughs> I really don't this know. This is why I re reorganized my schedule the other day, you know, yeah. my organizational yeah, yeah. self schedule. Um, I don't know. You just got to do both, you know? Yeah. Just and I guess away. you just, I think the now is real. Yeah. Well, it's and the, the future is, um, you know, aspirational and also real because we have to, try and get ahead of ourselves. Like I feel like some often in business you feel like you're chasing your tail. And I think what we're trying to do is get well ahead so that we have choices and we can, you know, make better calculated moves. But I, I, don't, I don't know, you talk to any business I know, I mean, we're all just making it up as we go along and we've definitely got better, but it's like the more you know, the more you realise you don't know. Mm. You know, so it's, you just move into these like different kind of like larger pools of kind of, things that you need to know or yeah. lessons you need to learn and, yeah. Well, you are moving out across the country. What are yes. some goals you have with Burger Burger? What do you want to do in the future with it? Well, we set a goal of having 12 nationwide. We felt that that would give us a really good spread across the country. Um, and our other goal was to be the best place to work for under 25s in New Zealand. 
which to be fair, I feel like we're almost a little bit um, failing it miserably at the moment, well, which it's is hard because you've you've really only been in Auckland, so yeah, it's. I think it's just it's just different. We we're in an industry which is viewed as a kind of transitional mm. role. Um, and therefore there's this kind of transitional workforce and then you've got some people that want to do it professionally but also because we are a casual, we're in the casual market. Yeah, so we've just been trying to figure out how we can change it and how we can positively provide opportunities um, for people that want to get engaged on a more long-term mm. Yeah. Yeah, because all the time for, like, I was working in hospitality when I was a student mm. and, like, for a lot of us that is what we do. And, you mm. know, but there's, it's definitely a great career as well. Oh, do you know what? I mean, I think for me um, I'm all for it being short term, but I just want them to be present in the moment and yeah. appreciate that it's still a job, it's still real life. You know, it's a huge undertaking to serve a lot of people every day. Mm. Um, and... If you can learn the skills from that, which is essentially communication, it's flexible communication. What is this person in front of me? What do they need from me to make this feel like a respectful interaction? Is a skill that you learn and it's something that you can apply to pretty much almost any industry, mm. you know? Like, I mean, look, LMP's got a lot of lovely doctors, but there's also a lot of people that work like, if you look at the medical profession, lawyers, you know, all of those people still have to manage relationships with people. And if you can learn that intensely in the hospitality environment, then it's, you know, very applicable to what you want to do when you, you know, anything you want to do really. Mm, Especially because you are dealing with like a wide variety of people, you know, lots of different types of people. Honestly, we deal with thousands of customers a day and, well, sorry, a week and you – they all have different needs. They all have, yeah. And so it's just it's teaching yourself to recognise behaviours or just be humble and be respectful and, mm. yeah, which is, is hard when you're in your early 20s and you're figuring out what the hell you want to do with your life, you know? Mm. You don't really know who you are either, so, did yeah. you Did you know who you were or did you, oh. did you still work that out? Or? I am... Um, was really lucky that in my early 20s I was working for, like, Mark Warbank, Lee Russell and Melissa, who are really successful. Well, I mean, they're successful, but they're also just beautiful human beings in hospitality. And um, I learned a huge amount from them. And did I know what I wanted to be? No, but I think they empowered me to know what I was capable of. Mm. And I definitely knew that I wanted to be creative. I definitely knew that I wanted to lead the charge of whatever it was that I was doing yeah I don't know I was always just very as I said like I think this is the thing that I did do which I think I'm probably most grateful for was that I just took up a lot of opportunities and I got a huge amount of experience in a whole lot of different areas under really clever people at an early age Mm. and that helped shape who I became as a young adult, adult Yeah, what were some of those opportunities and what sort of things did you find yourself doing? I just worked, you know, like, I mean, I was managing a restaurant when I was in my early 20s, which was, you know, like taught me to, I guess, manage people of all ages and be respectful of that. I moved to Sydney. I worked in advertising. (laughs) I worked in a hospitality awards program, which was essentially like a charity, which was really interesting because 
I mean, that was just like baptism by fire, trying <laughs> to deal with like 35 sponsors' mm. needs and wants. Um, just worked, yeah, in a lot of different roles and took up a lot of opportunities. I don't know. Like I was working for brand events in Australia. We did the taste festivals and then my boss would say to me, hey, do you think you could go to Brisbane for the weekend with and entertain James May and Jeremy Clarkson? Um, You're like, okay. I was like, like, yeah, I can. Like, and just got on a plane and went up there and honed around in Range Rovers and <laughs> partied on, like, some fucking boat with them till three in the morning. It was awesome. Yeah. And then, like, you know, I just did, you know, like, sitting at 2 o'clock in the morning drinking red wine, talking to James May about, like, it was awesome. So cool. Yeah, and just such a, you know, like a moment to kind of go. Yeah. Yeah. I guess experience, definitely travelled. I've definitely travelled a lot. I'm never afraid to ask people for time and um, Company of Women has been a really wonderful experience for me. Met some um, wonderful women through that who have given me their time and really, really valuable advice and guidance when I needed it. Yeah, I guess it's just about making sure that you're constantly seeking out opportunities that make you a little bit uncomfortable Mm. might seem a little bit scary that you'll learn something from yeah what is some of that advice that you've been given along the time some of it's just like so obvious I don't know I think I guess it was all kind of presented to me in a very personalized way but it was just a sort of you know the ability to compartmentalize just to teach well be aware of feeling or being confident enough to make decisions based on my own value system and not feeling bad about it, you know, being able Mm. to say no to people and not that, not that becomes something that I would carry as a burden, you know, personally that, yeah, I guess it was just certain bits of advice given to me along the way that was very relevant at the time, Mm. which is, they're no like, they're not like, Hey, lesson number four is, but it was more like, I think, the end of Mexico, for instance, I just felt like the business was going in a direction that I wasn't as comfortable with. And it wasn't that it was wrong. It just wasn't right for me at the time. But I felt like I would be, that if I left, I would it would be quitting, which would make me weak. And that I would be letting down, you know, the 200 odd people that worked for us at the time. And, you know, it just took one person to say to me, like, like that, take your money and start something that you're proud of, mm. you know, and that's okay. Yeah. They'll respect you more for making that decision than they will for you forcing yourself to do something. Like what kind of leader are you going to be if you are doing something that you're not proud of but then championing that to them? Mm, yeah. And I was like, wow, that's such an obvious thing to that. You know, like it was just like a light bulb went off mm. and I was just like, yeah, that's just – you know, it's so easy to see that in other yeah. people, but not in yourself. And I think when you're, because you're probably just like, you know, like you say the things we tell ourselves, like, oh, if I give up on this, I'm a failure or whatever, mm. you know, like, it's like, no, we tell ourselves and we make ourselves do certain things. And it's like, no, you don't have to do that. And look at what you've done considering, you know, once you did leave and you went and did your own thing, like you wouldn't have done all of this otherwise. No. And it's also just like, I mean, you, the more you're in business and the more you listen to things like that, you'll, you'll hear things pop up often. So Things like, you know, failure, there's no such thing as failure. It's just all a lesson that makes you stronger and 
propels you forward, which is just so true. Mm. And also fail fast um, is another big, like, big lesson in business. Like, don't think it's going to get better. If it doesn't look like it's going to get better, then I can make a change, mm. move on, you know? Yeah. There's this stuff like that that pops up. Again, financial, I'm always like, understand your financials. Yeah. Especially in a business like ours. Like, we're such a, most people that go into hospitality are creatives, you know? It's a creative industry. And we all, you know, and you go into it thinking it's going to be romantic and fun and it's just actually probably one of the hardest ways to make money in the world. Yeah, because there's a lot of expenses. Like a lot. A lot of moving parts. (laughs) Yes. So people, very reliant on people. Yeah. Um. It's time consuming, it's labor intensive. Yeah. And if you don't understand your financials, yeah, you can end up in very precarious situations very quickly, mm. which often ends up having, you know, quite substantial effects on the people that started it. Mm. And so that's probably why I'm such a big advocate of it now. Yeah. You said that you, like, are big on, you know, empowering women in business and, like, and to know that you can do certain things. Like, what do you, what do you want people to know? Like, what do you want women to know if they want to do things? Just do them. Like, there's nothing stopping you from doing it. I mean, I think there's – I think the reason – there's a few things. I think that women are just as capable of being successful in business as men are, I think – when I say we're our own biggest enemies, I think we, it starts like literally when they're like 14, like we're just so um, critical of ourselves and of each other. And I think that that starts at a really young age in women. And I would love, like, I think something that I'm really passionate about saying is trying to get young women, like 14, 15, 16, to just understand that like, be kind to each other because that's what you 100% we need to be kind to each other and support each other because that's where it's going to start. And then, you know, any, I mean, there is nothing separating women's ability from men. Ultimately there just isn't, we are more emotional. It's just our genetics. They can compartmentalize, you know, like just learn to do it. And um, I guess also as you get old, you know, we also take this role of being mothers which is just our part in this world, you know, and it is challenging, but I guess it's just about providing support in order for them to find the confidence to take the risks and ask for help and don't try and be everything and do everything themselves, you know, Mm. just we are also like our greatest strength is that we are so good at networking with each other. We are so good at, creating relationships that foster so much more than, you know, just good times and friendship. I think to women is not, not I'm not a man. I don't understand how male friendships work to be fair, but um, yeah, I think it's just about being able to support each other in that because it does get more and more complicated as you get older mm. and time becomes more precious. Well, Cause you're managing more, you know, you're managing children and families and like, you know, yeah, and I bet you like this is this is also talking to my my sister in law in Uganda last night, <laughs> and and she is um, ridiculous. She is a humanitarian photographer. They live in Uganda. They've adopted two beautiful babies and Aww. have one of their own. And both her and her husband um, work in for humanitarian organisations. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
she was just like, oh, my God, my husband's driving me insane. And I was like, oh, yeah, what's he done? <laughs> and she said, oh, you know, like <laughs> I'm like running around picking boxes, doing the things, getting the kids ready for church, like got the snacks ready, done all the things, and he's like lying on the bed, <laughs> you know. And next thing you know, one of the their little boy fell over and hurt himself and, you know, like and then he said something like, oh, well, why aren't you doing it? You have time. And she's like, oh, my God. You know, and I'm like, it's just classic. It's like my husband. I'm like, he just thinks that, like, things like toilet paper just turn up in our house, you know? They're just there all the time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Towels get washed every week. I don't yeah. think he knows how to use the washing machine. In fact, I don't think. And, and, but to be to be fair, I don't actually want him to. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. like, I'd rather organise that and me be in control of it than him. Yeah. But sometimes you're just like... They do, like, he will genuinely, I genuinely thinks he's like, I work way harder than you do because. He thinks he does. Yeah, because he works, I mean, he's a freak. He can work a lot and he doesn't drink and he's really annoying because he's, like, super fit and a lot of things. But <laughs> you're like a- but just because he work longer hours and I'm like, cool, but you don't know, like, you don't organise any family dinners. I organise all presents, Christmas, birthdays. Every single person that's after our child, like everything. Yeah, and there's our, a lot you're doing as our well. Our life. Yeah. Which is another job in itself, you know. 100%. And managing but, a but house. But doesn't see that at all. Yeah. I mean, he's not ungrateful. And if I yeah, ask yeah. him to do things, he will definitely do them. Mm. But it's, yeah, there's still this just like weird thing yeah. where it's like, this is what men do, this is what women yeah, do. Yeah, like I feel like gender roles are like a lot different now, thankfully, which is great. But yeah. then in saying that, like, we, yeah, we think about, you know, like, oh, we've got to make sure enough, you know, like <clears throat> enough toilet paper, enough like cleaning products. We're thinking about all that stuff, whereas they just, I don't think I'm not sure. Like researching batches for, for Christmas yeah. this year because I'm like, you know, like he'll just mm. rock up to December and be like, okay, so what are we doing? Where are we going? What day? You're like, you um, it's all booked out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> totally. I'm like, dude, it's like the busiest time of the year. Like you need to do this shit in February. <laughs> like it's just, it's funny. I mean, and I kind of like wouldn't have it any other way, but then yeah. every now and then when he, you know, genuinely goes, I'm just kidding. And I'm like, you're actually not kidding. <laughs> like, you genuinely think that you work way harder than I do. Yeah. Like all the, all this stuff that you're doing is actually a job basically as well. It yeah, is. I mean, like, I also have girlfriends that have husbands that, you know, like, run their household because they work more or whatever. Yeah, like, it's however anyone manages yeah. it. But it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just funny. Mm. Like I just, it's just different. We're yeah. just different creatures. We are. We think so differently. So differently. And then when you want them to think the same as you, they just, it's just like, they're like, what? Yeah. And they're like, and you are a fucking crazy bitch. What are you on about, you know? <laughs> and you're like, you know what? Maybe I'm a little bit fucking crazy right now. <laughs> How have you managed to be in business with, you know, your husband or a partner, like how do you, what's some advice no, around managing that? work really well together. I mean, I think there's like our values. We both, our work ethic is very similar and we're both kind of ambitious and we're both very, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of similarities in how we work, but then there's a lot of differences. Mm. And I think because we work very clearly on different areas of the business, it works really well. I think some people say that they just couldn't, work with their partner and I think it's probably true but we just yeah it just works for us and I actually have one of my best friends works three days a week um for us as well and I don't know how I convinced her to do that but she um basically because of Olympia and she helps me a lot so she kind of organizes me and 
helps make sure that my communication and inbox doesn't get too out of control. Um, and then runs our office space. And like for her, she just wanted to go back to something three days a week after she had a daughter that, um, you know, and, and I think initially she was like, oh, do you think that will be weird for our friendship? But actually I was like, I just love and respect you so much. I would rather have someone in that role that's I love and respect than not. Mm. And I can't see as long as we're really respectful about like what that, that relationship is at work. Um, yeah, and it's been awesome. And I just actually couldn't survive without her. Oh, that's really good. And it's awesome because you, res- she, we both love and respect her so much that she can boss me around and I just do what she tells me to do. You're like, yeah, I want to be bossed around. <laughs> she can also boss my husband around, which is cool. And she, she bosses everyone in the office around and she's so awesome. They just do what she says. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. It means so, you don't have to do it as much, you know. You can just leave it up to her to boss everyone. Yeah. So, I'd, you know, I mean, I think it's – one of those business things that you learn along the way also mm. is just surround yourself with people that are smarter, better human beings than you are. Yeah. And so I try and do that as much as possible. You've given us so many tips and so much oh. advice, which has been great. What is something you would tell younger Mimi? If you can look back on the things and the perspective you have now about things, what would you tell uh, her? Stop talking as much and listen more. <laughs> we always get told that though and it's so annoying when you're younger I'm terrible I'm terrible I still am terrible like um my brain's just so busy and I just always have like five conversations going on at once and I just want to ask lots of questions and it comes across in the wrong way actually one of the lessons that my father-in-law asked my husband and I to go to premarital counseling which at the time I was like well this is weird but it was actually fascinating and one of the things he talked to us about was a communication style which was especially when you're having an argument, is to listen to the other person, repeat back to them what they've said and what that does is affirm to them that you've listened and it also gives you a second opportunity to to, absorb it. Yeah. And by the time you get to the end of that, then you are really clear on, do I need to contribute to this more? Like the thing that I thought I needed to ask, do I still need to ask, Mm. you know, or... Oh, now I've absorbed it twice, actually. I think of it from a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, I guess listen, slow down a little bit. And um, I, but when I say is don't ask, don't get, as I've said many times, like just go and get as many opportunities as you possibly can to work, be around, learn from people that, you know, know things that you don't or or demonstrate values that you respect. Yeah. And... Just don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, totally. Hey, thank you so much for your time, Mimi. Really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Self Love Club podcast. Please subscribe for more episodes and catch up on eps you may have missed. Reviews and sharing the Self Love Club with your friends and on your Instagram stories helps so much in spreading the self-love message to others who may really need it. You can follow me at Bell Crawford on Instagram plus Self Love Club Podcast. Check out my website as well, bellcrawford.com, for Self Love Club resources and blog posts. And we're on Facebook, the Self Love Club community. Go join it now. A big thanks to our audio engineer, Nick Baldwin. We've got heaps of boss babes coming up to empower you through the rest of the year. We're already halfway through. Uh, with weekly episodes available each Monday. Catch you soon, babes.